Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to talk to a guy from the state of Florida, John Santucci, a guy who covers the state of Florida for USA Today down there. Uh, He has been traveling the state this entire month, uh, going to a lot of the spring practices for some of the teams down there. And one of those stops includes a trip to Cardinal Gibbons High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He did that just recently. And so we talked to him about uh, that trip to Fort Lauderdale and uh, what he thinks of the Tar Heels quarterback in the 2024 class that they landed just recently, Michael Mertinger. You know, I've seen Michael since uh, his freshman year at Deerfield Beach going into his sophomore year that spring. Um, He's a really interesting story, and uh, you know, again, not knowing how much you know about his background. So, if I'm if I'm hitting you know, stories you've already heard, I apologize. But this is a kid who, coming out of that freshman spring, looked like he was going to be a really, really big time recruit. Um, I went to that spring game. Uh, they played a team Stranahan, and he, I think, had three or four like sixty plus yard touchdowns in the first half. Something ridiculous like that all long balls, all on the money. Um, I remember texting people in South Florida going, this kid, this kid's a real deal. And then that was coming right out of the COVID year. And um, then Deerfield Beach's program, which at, to that point was tracking as one of the best in the state, mm-hmm. um, really fell apart. It was right out of COVID. Uh, their coach quit week two of the following season, his sophomore year. Wow. He was the starter week one, and it just, Whatever it was, it wasn't clicking. I've heard people say it was the coaching. I've heard people say it was other things. Um, but I think that first game, I want to say, he completed like three of 19 passes or something. Ooh. And I know North Carolina fans are like, uh-oh. Uh, no, just wait a second. Um, 
and it just wasn't good. And then literally the rest of the season between the coach quitting and um, everything else, a lot of uncertainty around the whole team, especially the quarterback position. He never got comfortable. I don't know if the new coaching staff ever really put their full uh, trust in him. And um, he told me last week, he said, hey, look, that was the best thing that could have happened for me. But um, it definitely hurt his recruiting, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who was, he had some P5 offers coming out of that freshman spring. And if they if he had them coming out of his sophomore year, I would have been shocked. So last year, he could have gone to a number of schools, chose to go to Cardinal Gibbons, chose to be a backup to Dylan Risk, who's now uh, at UCF. Um, when he When Michael played... And just so people, you know, listen to this, no, Cardinal Gibbons uh, was coming off in 2020, 2021, I think back-to-back state championships. Um, outstanding program. Uh, Coach DeBuck is a guy who knows quarterbacks. He's produced a bunch of them. Good offensive mind, played at Texas Tech. And so um, their offense has moved the ball well. And he said, look, I, I realized that, I was going to be at Gibbons my senior year anyway, so do I want to come in and learn the system and be under a really good coach, or do I want to go somewhere and start for a year? Obviously, for recruiting, you'd go start. You want, you want to put out really good film. You want to put out, you know, you want to be the guy. He said, look, I think for my long-term trajectory, it's going to be better to play under Coach DeBuck for a year and be the backup. He did go into nine games last year. They made it to the regional championship game. Um, and his numbers last year in spot duty were really good. Uh, 9.5% of his passes. I think he threw one pick, uh, you know, obviously a, a bunch of touchdowns. I look at that. That's a big uh, thing for me. I look at a touchdown to interception ratio and obviously your interceptions could be a bunch of reasons, right? A receiver cuts off a route or whatever, but, um, you're still the guy throwing the ball. It still goes on your stats. So, um, I'm. I was impressed that he stayed at, that he went to Gibbons first of all, and that he stayed at Gibbons, um, even though he wasn't going to be the guy. Uh, he's he's got a good arm, you know. Um, I think some people in South Florida aren't sure about him, but I also think they haven't seen a lot of him. So, my opinion is that North Carolina got in fairly early on a guy who could see his recruiting take off um, over the next. You know, I don't know, two, three months. I, I would I would have imagined that his recruiting was going to pick up. So it's not surprising that uh, that that a Power 5 jumped in and took his commitment as soon as they did. He had several other Power 5 offers. And for whatever reason, you know, Flor- uh, UNC right now seems to be coming into Florida doing a lot of backfield shopping, right? They, they offered James mm-hmm. Razar out of Bishop Kenny uh, about a month ago. Um, he's a quarterback committed to Iowa, big kid, a little more mobile um, than than Murdinger. Murdinger, for, for me, is more of a pocket passer. Um, and obviously, you've got Davion Gauss at uh, Chaminade, which is one of the best programs in the nation uh, at running back. So I like what North Carolina has done so far. Them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, the thing is, is like, especially with, with Murdinger, I think a, the reason that Carolina had to go down there um, to Florida and the reason why they offered uh, Reeser as well was because 
Uh, you know, he, they, they missed on their top three quarterbacks in the class. There was a lot of confidence, uh, especially early on, that Carolina would be able um, to land a, a guy out of the state of Tennessee and Jake Merklinger. Um, he didn't end up committing. He he goes to Tennessee. Um, and then, you know, they they thought that they were in a good position potentially for KJ Jackson, who comes out of the state of Alabama, but he ends up going to Arkansas. So that was really the reason that they ended up going down there to get Mertinger. I think, you know, everything that you said, I think is exactly kind of what we thought we were getting a guy that has a lot of upside, a lot of potential could turn out to be a really great player, but is also a guy that's a little bit of a risk. And when, you know, you get to this point when you're missing on that many of your targets, I think this is, you know, this is kind of what I'm not going to say you get stuck with, but this is kind of the situation you get put in. And I still feel like Carolina, you know, from what you said, it's a guy that has, you know, all the physical tools. Now let's just see if it starts to click. It is an interesting fit as you, 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 you were talking about there, um, you know, he's a guy that's not really all that mobile. Carolina is going to, you know, Chip Lindsay is going to be their offensive coordinator, a guy who's worked a lot under Gus Malzahn. Um, usually they like the more mobile quarterback. So that's that's interesting that they decided to take him on. But let's talk about Davian Gauss, who, who you mentioned there. Um, you know, I've seen some people that, uh, you know, when I, I know when he ended up committing, I saw a lot of Miami fans that were saying that they, they had offered him because this is, you know, Carolina went into pretty much Miami's backyard to get this commitment. But a lot of people say in Miami, you know, really wasn't that involved with them, that he, um, you know, really wasn't wasn't the player that he was when he initially got his star rating. But, you know, I, I've looked at the stats and, and you know, I, I know you can only go so much off of that, but he seems like he's a really productive and really solid player. Yeah. OK. You know what? I, I'm not worried about my look. I went to Miami. Those fans are insane. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you're Miami. Um, I don't know what you're looking for right now. Um, hold on one second. I'm just gonna put you on speakerphone because I, I got a I got a turn coming up. I got to figure out where my GPS is. All, all good, man. You know, here, here's the thing I would say about uh, Bullet is I think he's a phenomenal player. Miami got a guy last year out of American Heritage and Plantation. And all of a sudden now, of course, his name eludes me, but he's a, he's a very similar built back. And so I don't know if Miami wants multiple backs that are that, you know, that big, quite frankly. So, um, you know, I, I've talked to people in South Florida because obviously I cover the whole state. So I, mm -hmm. I talked to a lot of other recruiting analysts. Some absolutely love him, like feel like he is. I know our rivals guys love him. Um, and they've got him super high on their board in the state of Florida. I think they've got him in the top 20, if I'm not mistaken. 247 has him a bit lower. I, I can't remember exactly where he is on my list, uh, our USA Today top 100, but I want to say he's probably right around the 30s or the 40s um, overall. He's a really good player. And, and here's the thing. You mentioned his stats, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the hard thing when you are – Looking at Davion Gauss's stats, you got to understand that Chaminade might have, and this is not exaggeration or hyperbole, they might have the best set of offensive skill players in the nation. Wide receiver, wow. uh, Jeremiah Smith, in my opinion, the best wide receiver I've seen yep. in the state of Florida. He's going to Ohio State. 
Um, they have another wide receiver, Jojo Schrader. We've got him at number four in the, in the, in the state overall. Um, you know, Miami, Florida, every, everybody's in on it, right? Um, yep. Could end up at Ohio State, too, because they have been absolutely pilfering the state of Florida when it comes to wide receivers. Um, those are the top two options at that school. Quite frankly, they're the top two skilled position players in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. I think Jeremiah Smith's the best wide receiver in the nation. Davion Gauss has got to compete with those guys to touch the ball. And they have a quarterback who's going to NC State, uh, Cedric Bailey, yep. who has said to me numerous times, I'm very much aware of how many times each guy on the team has touched the ball. So touch the ball as many times. Oh, and by the way, their their slot receivers all have, you know, power five offers would be number one outside receivers anywhere else. So they're loaded. So when Davion Gauss plays a game like they did last year against uh, American Heritage out of Plantation, which was, I believe, top 10 in the country at the time. Mm-hmm. And he's toting the rock the way he did and getting the amount of carries that he did. And he had a couple fumbles in that game. One of them, by the way, was Brandon Ennis, who was one of the top receivers in the country last year playing safety, came downhill and just crushed him with a helmet-to-helmet hit that never got called and the ball popped out. Just mm-hmm. wanted to throw that in for a bonus. But um, Davion Gauss fumbled, I want to say, three times in the first half of that game. He's not a guy who fumbled a lot. And Chaminade's coaches had zero concern about continuing to hand him the ball, which I think said a lot. They didn't pull him. They didn't start throwing it more. They kept putting the ball in his hands and saying, no, we trust you. You don't fumble a lot. This is very uncharacteristic. Um, and we're playing a top 10 team nationally, and you're the guy who's going to get us to the end line. I don't know what more you can say about a guy than that. He, he is a, he's a legit workhorse. They play an unbelievably difficult schedule, and they want the ball in his hands quite a bit when you've got two of the top receivers in the nation on either side of the field. So um, he's a guy who will break tackles. He does not go down on first contact very often. He can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. I don't think they throw to him a ton because why would you? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a guy I really like, and the people that I trust in South Florida really, really like him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's kind of the feeling that I got. I mean, I, I had people that told me, you know, Shamana, Madonna, they play at a lower level of football, which I don't really understand. I mean, I know they've switched up the classifications in, in the state here. Um, I think it was this year was the first year they switched them up. But like, I, I, I that's that's an extremely well-known school. As you mentioned, there's so many different guys that are a part of that offense. Like, I, I feel like people should be extremely confident in him. And it's, it, it's great to hear you say that as well. You know, now here's a guy, Peter Pisansky. Yeah, yeah. This bothers me in so many ways. Not, what you, not how you said it, just what is being said. They play in a, in the post. Last year, though, they played one of the tougher schedules in the state of Florida. Uh, most of the teams they played were Final Four teams or Final Eight teams the year before. So while, yes, they play on a lower level once you get to the playoffs, you, they, they play in the toughest, you know, I think South Florida is probably one of the five or six toughest places in the, in the country to play. Mm-hmm. And they play the best teams. Um, I've had a couple people tell me they could start 0-2 this year. Because, or 0-3 because of their starting schedule, uh, includes Miami Central, I think week two, but Miami Central, I was just there last week. They've got as much talent right now on the defensive line as IMG does, which IMG is in another you know place in Florida is just loaded with talent. Yep. So, uh, don't look at Shaman. I'm just saying for any fans out there that are concerned, 
especially in South Florida, because the same would go for Michael Martinger is at a 2M school out of possible four. Don't equate size of school with talent of play. Because Chaminade is one of the smaller schools, and they can beat any, and, and last year did beat just about everybody in the country except for Bishop Gorman. So um, don't read into that in Florida. Those numbers are very misleading. You could have a 1A school with 45 kids, but they're all elite power five players. So well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. That, and that's, and that's the thing, you know, there's so many different, there's people probably taking a look at it from, you know, uh, uh, outside the state, they're looking at the classifications and now that, that's what they're saying. Well, meanwhile, yeah, you do have these powerhouse schools uh, that are in some of these lower classifications. You know, the last guy I'll ask you about guy that is actually right in the area that you're going to right now, uh, yeah. Peter Pisansky, uh out of Jesuit high school um, in Tampa, Florida, you know, a guy that, you know, if you look at him on 24 seven sports is kind of ranked in uh, you know, the 600 range and everything. But I got to tell you, you know, when I I turned on his tape, I, I really liked what I saw. I think he's a guy that looks pretty versatile along the defensive line. Uh, really like some of the pass rushing moves that he uses. W- what do you think about Pasansky? I like him a lot. He's a guy that's been on my radar for the last two years. Um, you know, and, and here's a guy who, you know, this is the same thing with all three guys, right? You're talking about three guys that, that have come from a, a program Shamanad won a, a state championship last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, Jesuit won a state, t- he won a state title two years ago, Kazanski at Jesuit, and then um, Merdinger's plan for, for a, a state championship winning coach. So you're talking about guys that are all have winning pedigree. And I, I'm a guy who likes that. I think that, you know, when you go to a program, I, I remember I talked to one kid a couple of years ago who had offers from Alabama and all these other schools. And I said, you know, hey, what do you think about going to Alabama? You might win a ring. He said, what do I care about winning? I'm used to losing at this program. So I think when you come from a winning high school program, I do think that matters. Zansky is a kid. I I agree with your assessment, right? First of all, I'm I'm wondering where they fit him on their D-line because I do see him as a guy depending Mm -hmm. on the package. I don't think he needs to come off the field. I think he's a guy, you know, that can play inside if he needs to. I've seen him. In person on the outside, he is he's a guy who gets into the backfield often. He's a high motor kid. That's another thing I like. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like these guys that just flash every once in a while. You know, they yeah. they've got all the tools, but they don't like to use them. He's a guy that doesn't take a lot of plays off from the games that I've seen him play. Um, he gets into the backfield consistently. He's been doing it for years. I have no doubt that he'll have another twelve to fifteen sack seasons should he stay healthy. Um, he's a guy that you ju- that you you just expect to see in the backfield, and you also don't worry about. He's very reliable, um, you know, as as a producer. So uh, for me, that's a this is a a guy who I think will get better uh, once he gets to college and continues to to mature physically and things like that. But he, for me, is a very low floor guy. I think I think he's a very safe take. Like you were saying, Murdinger has some some concerns just based on whatever and and they're legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a lot of concerns with Kazanski. I feel like he's a guy, here's exactly what we're getting. And he could be a plus, 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 depending on how he physically matures and takes the coaching and, the, and he's a scheme fit and all those things that you really don't know until you get on campus. But, you know, worst case scenario, he's going to be a, a consistent, um, 
you know, rotation guy, probably starting year two. And I think that's what Carolina is looking for because they've had, they've got a lot of these guys that coming out of high school, the, the, the rating next to their name is huge. Um, there's so many expectations and a lot of these guys so far have not lived up to it. So a guy that has a, a high floor uh, as well as, you know, potentially a high ceiling, I think would be a, a great fit. Um, I think, you know, again, like you said, figuring out where exactly he fits is going to be the most important thing for this staff. Um, but, uh, hey, John, thanks so much, man, for uh, taking a little bit of time with us. Uh, tremendous stuff. I mean, you are just a machine with these dudes down in Florida. And, yeah, it looks like Carolina, I think, you know, the influence of guys like Charlton Warren, um, Jason Jones, who's probably recruited a lot down there, I think it's having, you know, a, an effect for the team in in the state it seems like they are targeting a lot more guys in the state of florida so uh you, you are definitely a guy that we may have to hit back up here sooner rather than later uh if carolina lands a few more guys out of the state no i appreciate it and you know what you're absolutely right uh and just you know because we're, we're trying to see so many things sometimes like that ten thousand mile view right where it's like mm -hmm. who's even recruiting the state of florida north carolina has not had a big footprint in florida uh, last year, you guys had a, I can't remember if you signed anybody off the top of my head, but last year you had a commitment from Zachary Tobe out of Ocoee, who I really, really liked. And then he backed off that and went to Illinois. I don't know how much of that was a group effort for both the school and the player, mm -hmm. but because, um, you know, you never want to publicize those things. But um, so it's going to be interesting. One, can North Carolina continue to hold all three of these guys? Mertinger, if he has a good, if he has a good spring game, um, and he has a good summer now, depending on how many things he goes to. I don't think he'll go to a lot. It felt like, felt like to me, like he was pretty, he was pretty much set, but you know, Davian Gauss is going to continue to get spotlight because he's in an offense that's loaded. And, um, you know, Pazanski plays for a team that's got, you know, multiple power five, um, defenders. So it'd just be interesting to see what the, what the interest in those guys is from other schools coming down the stretch. But, um, it's nice to see North Carolina being able to land a few players out of Florida. Yeah, and they've landed three already so far. They're in on a couple of other guys. Uh, it looks like, you know, the Tampa area is, is a spot where they've really started uh, to go after guys. And Carolina, when the, they land, the first prospect that they landed in this class uh, at out of the state of Florida, which was Gauss, that was the first commitment that Carolina had landed out of the state since the 2021 class. And that's a guy in Dante Balfour who's not even on the roster yeah. anymore. So right. it, it, it's it's been kind of rare, but it seems like Carolina is starting to exp expand that footprint now. Again, take it for what it's worth. Is it because Carolina wants to expand their footprint? Probably a little bit. The other part of it is that they're struggling a little bit in state, but still, you can never go wrong going into right. a talent-rich state. Like, yeah, you, and obviously, right. I don't know the back end of that. I just see what they're doing here. Um, but, you know, Bal here's the difference between Balfour and the three guys in this class, right? Right. Uh, Balfour is a guy, one of the weirdest recruitments you're ever going to see. He blew up. <laughs> after the December signing day, which I don't understand because nobody's obviously putting out new film. It's not like he did anything new, but his recruitment went from like very, very minimal and maybe a couple power five offers to everybody seemed to want him the day after signing day. Um, and so, which I think, am I, am I remembering this right? Was that the COVID year? Um, I think so. Yeah, that was that the was COVID class. Yes. Class, right? yes. Yes, it was. So yep. Really seen him 
I, I thought he was a nice player. I was just surprised that he was getting all this SEC and ACC love mm -hmm. in between. Obviously, you're talking about three guys right now that have all committed, you know, before the spring of their senior year. So, um, you know, I, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but I feel like North Carolina has probably had a little bit more time to vet these guys than they did Bell for. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're you're right about that. I remember him, and 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 look, Carolina's done this. They they haven't done it as much here recently. Like this year, they didn't they didn't end up bringing anybody in in that second window. But they there always seems to be somebody that Carolina gets locked in on, and they'll start climbing the rankings, and eventually Carolina lands him. I mean, Don Chapman was one of those guys that's already on the roster too. But you're right, Balfour was a weird one, and I guess it's because of the COVID year where it was just you, you really couldn't go out in person to see these guys. So eventually they just started watching more and more film. And I guess it's honestly, it's probably like it became almost like the NFL draft process where guys that you had never seen before, all of a sudden you see a certain game they play or whatever you fall in love. And now, okay, we got to get this guy. And I think that's, you know, that that's something that helped him out. A lot of people have big expectations for him, but what you're saying right there. That, that makes a little bit more sense why he struggled the way that he did once he got to Carolina, why he's now at UNC Charlotte, which is probably ultimately a better fit for him in the yeah. long term, where these guys that we're talking about right now, um, you know, again, Murdinger's probably a guy that, you know, could be hit or miss, but I feel like the other two are really solid players. So, uh, hey, John, thanks so much, man. Uh, th this was tremendous. Uh, again, you just – I mean, just rolling through these guys like it's not that was that's phenomenal. And I'm so glad you were able to give me and the listeners some great information about these guys. I always love talking football. So all right, buddy. Yeah, really appreciate you. Take care. OK, thanks. All right, man. So we want to thank John for stopping by with us and uh, giving us, you know, plenty of information on on not only Michael Merdinger, but as you heard there, Davian Gauss, um, who is a guy that. I really have liked uh, since Carolina landed him. Didn't really understand a lot of the detractors of him that I had seen out there. So great to hear him sort of back those thoughts up. And then, of course, Peter Pasansky, a guy that I really liked on tape, as you heard me tell John there. Uh, so, you know, to hear him back that up. Uh, he did. I, I thought that was amazing. And look, Carolina, they just offered another player in the state of Florida again yesterday. The state of Florida is now becoming a big state for Carolina's success. So they're going, you, you need to get familiar with these names. John is a fantastic follow uh, on social media for all of the stuff out of the state of Florida. And uh, if you guys could make sure you go over, give him a follow over there on Twitter. It is at John Santucci, J-O-N-S-A-N-T-U-C-C-I. All one word, John Santucci. That's his Twitter handle. Uh, so make sure that you guys give him a follow. Uh, and, and he just does a tremendous job. And look, this is part of, you know, what, what we're going to be trying to do here Throughout the offseason, um, Carolina, you know, the state of Florida has been big in what Carolina has done so far. Uh, they've also, you know, done some work in the state of North Carolina, but it's with a lot of the lower rated prospects right now. But there are definitely some guys uh, that we are hoping that we'll be able to get on to talk about what 
uh, they've done in the state so far and what they need to do with some of these other guys. The state of Georgia has been an area where Carolina has had to go into and has had uh, some nice success and even the state of Tennessee. So Carolina, those are those are really the four states that it feels like Carolina is doing most of their work in. State of Virginia, they've got a few offers out there, but it looks like those four states are really where Carolina is working right now. And so uh, we'll do the best to try to get some of those guys on to talk about these prospects that Carolina is bringing in right now. Um, but really do appreciate John for taking some time out with us there. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. But guys, make sure you head over to the website. We're going to have an article that's going to be going up here uh, soon. I expect to have it out hopefully sometime tomorrow. Uh, that will go give you a look at the guys that have already set their official visit dates to Chapel Hill for uh, the month of June. There are a lot of guys that are already setting their official visits, and it's a lot of big-name guys, too. It's a lot of four- uh, and, and high-end three-stars that are that, that have set their official visits already, and these are important for Carolina. This recruiting class, yeah, Carolina's got it ranked inside of the top 15 as of right now, according to 24-7 sports composite rankings. But uh, look, that's really because of the sheer volume of guys that they already have committed. 13 guys before the month of June, uh, which is when guys now start taking official visits. It's impressive, but what it means, as we've seen, you know, seen a lot of people talking about on social media, is You've got a lot of guys that are three stars, most of them, you know, mid-level three stars. A lot of guys that at one point were unranked. Recruiting sites took their time and eventually ranked them, but it was after Carolina landed them. So this is a class where Carolina has some work to do in terms of the overall talent that they are bringing in. So this month of June coming up, is massive, and we have you covered on the website. Uh, we will be updating that as well. When guys do add their dates to the schedule, we will add them to that article, and then we will push it out and reshare it for you guys. So make sure that you guys uh, keep an eye out for that. Should be up sometime tomorrow. If it's not up tomorrow, I will definitely plan to have it up on Saturday. It really just depends, of course, on what work looks like. Uh but yeah, that uh, plenty of other stuff that's going to be going up on the website as well. Carolina just recently uh, brought in another kicker to compete in their kicking battle. It's the first transfer that they've landed in the second transfer window. Uh, Liam Boyd is you know coming in, and he look he was going to be a part of Clemson's kicker battle, uh, starting kicking battle that is. Uh, in the fall, uh, he had done a pretty good job in spring ball, hit a 51-yarder in the spring game, uh, and looked like he was set up to have a real shot at landing their kicking job. But for some reason, he ended up transferring. Carolina is the beneficiary, and now they add him to the race for their starting kicking job, which is now – it still feels wide open. You know, Ryan Coe, we thought him coming in from Cincinnati, he did – you know, he had a really good year a year ago. And look, he's not out of the race by any stretch. It's not, oh, this is this is over. This is why Carolina is bringing him Boyd because they really desperately need somebody. But 
you know, from all indications, he didn't run away with it at all, really, in the spring. It's still a competition between him and Noah Burnett. And he missed the 33-yarder. Now, granted, extra point. It was lined up on that hash for a reason, but he missed the 33-yarder, which, you know, was the issue that Carolina had last season missing, uh, you know, some of those manageable field goals towards the end of the year with Noah Burnett. So bringing in another guy like Liam Boyd, always helpful. And we've got the article that goes a little bit more in depth on Liam Boyd, his background, how he got into football. He's still a relatively new guy to the sport. So check all that out at the website, HeelToughBlog.com. On the basketball side of things, uh, it's been a little bit quieter here, still waiting on some news in terms of the reclassifications, and it seems like that could be coming here sometime soon. I mean, I know you know a lot of those guys uh, that are in that 24 class currently are out playing in tournaments. Elliot Cadu has been tearing it up. Uh, on the summer circuit so far, Ian Jackson has been out there. Even Simeon Wilcher, who is in the 23 class, uh, he has really been playing well in those tournaments. Uh, most of them, they, all three guys, have been in attendance for. So uh, we're always keeping an eye on that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be, of course, updating you on any news uh, with that on both the website and podcast side of things. And then uh, we did have the news yesterday. Uh, that Caleb Love re-entered the transfer portal. Me and Josh immediately thought, why don't we do a podcast? Because one, we we saw really within the first couple of hours, a lot of people starting to push the narrative of we want Caleb Love back in Chapel Hill. And, uh, you know, look, well, do we think that's a good idea? Do we think that, you know, Carolina has made the right decision by moving on? Make sure you go over and check out that edition of the podcast, the Four Corners podcast. You can find it the same spots you can find this podcast, uh, all the major podcasting platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Odyssey, so many more. You can check out the Heel Tough blog and Four Corners podcast. And of course, you can check it out on the Omni pages now as well. Uh, just go to Omni and search, uh, or just search, uh, e- even in Google, you could just search uh, Omni Heel Tough blog podcast, uh, Four Corners podcast, Omni. It'll pop up. That is our new hosting site. Those are the links that we tweet out. We, of course, we are now uh, great, uh, graciously affiliated uh, with our station here in Charlotte uh, through their podcasting network, WFNZ uh, and Radio One. So we greatly appreciate both of those entities for bringing us on. So that, once again, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tories. want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.